Now, after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Right? It's that good news. Um, but is Jesus going around preaching about his resurrection that hasn't happened yet? You know, is he like, hey, guys, in three years, I'm going to I'm going to come back and you're all going to be forgiven then. Like, no, he's going around forgiving people now, you know. So um, he's preaching about God's kingdom and the good news that we are invited to this kingdom, you know. And he tells us how to live, you know, what kind of people that we are supposed to be. This is what Jesus does while he's on earth. He shows us the character of God, which uh, Liz sang every song up there today, telling us the character of God. <laughs> and he shows us how to be human, you know. He shows us how to be God's people, his family. And, um, and this is shocking. Uh, I mean, at the time, okay? You know, he would say shocking things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Um, no one else was saying these kinds of things. And it shocked people. And I'm not sure it shocks us anymore, you know, or it shocks us in the same way because we're kind of used to hearing it. And um, and that might be a problem. I don't know. Uh, if we get numb to hearing Jesus' words, you know, we might get lazy or careless or something worse. I don't, I don't know. Um, so when we read the Gospels, you know, we see people shocked at what Jesus teaches, and we see them even get offended, you know, and usually it's the leaders, the Pharisees, or the law experts, um, they get offended. But how often do we get offended at Jesus' words and teachings, you know? Have you read the Sermon on the Mount lately? Like, that thing has been hurting my feelings, like, all year long. <laughs> well, today's gospel reading, it has a bit of a sting to it, so fair warning. Uh, but for all of its sting, it's good for us. And it's good for us to be challenged by Jesus, right? And to wrestle with his words. Maybe we'll learn something. Maybe we'll grow. Speaking for myself. <laughs> so in uh, the lectionary has us in Mark 10. Okay, so Mark 10, 1 through 16. I'm just going to read it all, and then we're all going to go home. <laughs> all right, verse 1. Jesus left Capernaum and went into the region of Judea, and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, and as was his custom, he taught them. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you, he replied. And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. And he answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband 
and marries another man, she commits adultery. Thank God the reading continues. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. The word of the Lord. You know how sometimes, sometimes they'll ask Jesus a question, you know, and they'll be like, hey, Jesus, how come your disciples aren't fasting like the rest of us, you know? And Jesus gives an answer, and he's like, well, do wedding guests mourn when the bridegroom is with them? And they're like, what? And he's like, do you put new wine into old wineskins? It's like, are we having the same conversation? Like, why doesn't he ever give a straightforward answer? And then you have a reading like today where you're like, okay, Jesus, uh, way to draw a hard line there. You know, how about some nuance? You couldn't just tell us a seed story? There's not a, there's not a bread metaphor for this. We could, like, Rubik's Cube our way through. <laughs> so we have the Pharisees testing Jesus again, right? And uh, this time they ask him about divorce. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And they're asking a question they already know the answer to, right? Which is why Jesus punts the question back to them. Like, what did Moses say? Because they have the Torah. They know that divorce is allowed. And they've probably heard Jesus preach on divorce before, right? He says it in the Sermon on the Mount. And please understand, the Sermon on the Mount isn't one thing he did one time. You know, everywhere he went, where it says, like, and he taught them. Like, these are the things he's teaching them. So, so they test them, or they test him. And you have to wonder why. Jesus is in Judea across the Jordan River, which is John the Baptist's old stomping ground. And, uh, you know, at this point, John has already been killed. And that's in chapter 6 of Mark's gospel. He gives a pretty detailed story, you know, for Mark, it's pretty detailed, of how John the Baptist was beheaded. You should read it. (laughs) You should give that a read, especially if you want to cry. But we'll just hit the highlights here. King Herod, uh, who's not a king at all, he's like a ruler over an area. Kind of like Pontius Pilate was a ruler over Judea. Um, They're not kings, but they have a lot of power. So Herod had an adulterous marriage, right? He had divorced his wife so that he could marry his sister-in-law, which means that she had to divorce her husband, Herod's brother. And that's a tangle, quite a tangle. And this doesn't exactly meet the requirements for divorce that they had. And there's also a hint of incest. Okay, but it seems that the, um, the priests and the religious leaders did not have a problem with this. You know, it was only John, the baptizing prophet, who had the integrity to speak the truth to power. And John said that Herod's marriage was not lawful. So Herod put him in prison. But it was Herod's new incest adultery wife that uh, used her daughter to ask for the murder of John. 
And John loses his life because he spoke out about an unlawful marriage that the officials and the high priests let slide. So do you suppose the Pharisees are trying to lure Jesus into saying something disparaging about King Herod's marriage in hopes that maybe Jesus will be arrested and possibly put to death? Seems possible. I'd take that bet. But Jesus, uh, he doesn't fall for it. He doesn't take the bait. and He does not verbally condemn Herod for coveting his brother's wife or for committing adultery. Instead, he goes after everybody. In verse 5, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. And then Jesus takes them to school. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. They're no longer two, but one. And what God joined together, let no one separate. He takes them back to the garden, back to creation, when everything was good, when it was very good. And he reminds them what God intended for humans, right? Jesus is reminding everyone how serious a marriage relationship is, right? God never intended them to be temporary, you know? Not when it's something that God has joined together. But divorce exists, and it is lawful uh, because... Humans have hard hearts. And we know that about ourselves, right? We are extremely selfish. And we are willing to hurt each other really bad to get what we want. And I imagine that the murder rate would be even higher if divorce were not a lawful option. I think divorce can be a mercy. So the Pharisees try to test Jesus, and he takes them all the way back to Genesis, back to creation. And he puts the answer of divorce on our hard hearts. And they can't use any of that against him. They can't arrest him for that teaching. Verse 10 tells us that Jesus and his disciples go back to a house. And it's there that the disciples kind of ask him to explain what he was talking about. So alone with his disciples, he says, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. If she divorces her husband, marries another man, she commits adultery. And Jesus describes exactly what Herod and his wife did. They threw away their spouses so that they could get married. And that is brutal. And that's how hard-hearted that we, we can be. We are very selfish. And we are willing to hurt each other to get what we want. And this story is also in Matthew 19. But after Jesus says this to the disciples, in that version, the disciples have a response. And they say, you know, well, if that's the case, we think it's better to not get married. And Jesus says, you know, he says, yeah, not everyone can do this. 
some people shouldn't get married. But he says it in that way that Jesus says things. He goes back to being Jesus again. And instead of talking about marriage, he talks about eunuchs. You should go read that later on tonight. <laughs> now, earlier I mentioned how Mark described Jesus' ministry, right? Back in chapter 1, he claimed to proclaim the gospel of God. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. He reveals the character of God, and he teaches us how to be human. And that is what he's doing here in this moment. He's teaching his disciples to take marriage very seriously, because God does. And this is kind of like in chapter 9, the previous chapter in Mark, where he tells them, you know, if your hands or eyes cause you to sin, you should cut them off or pluck them out. Or if a person causes another person to sin, they should tie a big rock and throw themselves into the sea. Now, did Jesus go around cutting people's hands off? Or did he drown anybody? Did he make people blind? No, like he healed them. <laughs> he healed them from blindness. Uh, but he's telling his disciples, you better take sin and temptation seriously. You should rather die than cause someone to sin. And you should take relationships seriously. Right? We need to check our hearts often. This chapter is about hard hearts. And then what's the, what's the very next thing that happens? Verses 13 through 16, people start bringing their kids to Jesus to bless them. You know, and the disciples are all, gross, get out of here. You're bothering us. And you, you know, Jesus has to be like, what did I just teach you about hard hearts? You know, that wasn't just about marriage, you guys. It's all relationships. Like, bring me those kids. And, you know, I bet the disciples thought they were doing a really good job, right? They're practicing protecting Jesus, you know, from babies. Like, Jesus is busy. He's doing important stuff today. He doesn't have time for your kids. Get out of here. We're doing kingdom of God stuff over here. You know, it says that Jesus was indignant, but I bet he was a little more than that. Because here's the disciples. They're using their closeness to Jesus to feel important, to keep people or to keep families outside of their circle. They're keep keeping people away from Jesus. If you ever think that you are so close to Jesus that you get to decide who is in and who is out, if you think you're a gatekeeper for God or the gospel, check your hard heart and repent because you have lost the entire plot. Now, Jesus does not tie millstones to the disciples and drown them, okay? But he does tell them what's up. He says, bring me those kids. Do not ever block their way. The kingdom of God belongs to the literal, humble, and vulnerable ones. Is there anyone more humble and vulnerable than children? They have no agency of their own. They have no power of their own. If you're not willing to be like that, humble and vulnerable, if you're not willing to give up the power you have or the power you think you need, then you will not enter the kingdom of God. And the rest of this chapter is the same thing over and over. It's Jesus teaching his disciples 
us, about the kingdom of God, about our hearts, about how to live as humans in God's kingdom. Because you know what? The disciples needed reminding all the time, and so do we. The very next story, it's um, verses 17 through 31. It's the story of the rich young man. I don't know if you guys all know that story. A guy asks Jesus, Jesus, how to have eternal life. And Jesus says, well, just keep the commandments, you know. And the guy's like, yeah, I'm really good at that already. What else you got? And Jesus said, okay, well, sell all you have. Give it to the poor and come follow me. And they were like, oh, all of a sudden it got difficult. And the guy, he's sad. He walks away sad because he's not ready to do that. And I think he wants to be ready. I think that's why he's sad. And the disciples are shocked. That's what it says. Disciples were amazed. But I think Jesus is sad, you know, because he says to his disciples, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God, especially for the rich. And then the disciples are even more shocked. It's like double shocked. They're like, well, if not the rich, then who? Who can be saved? And you have to wonder at Jesus' patience, you know, how he keeps it together. Like, what do you mean, who? Do you not listen when I talk about the kingdom of God? What did I teach? What did I preach? Who enters the kingdom? You tell me. Right? Blessed are the who, for they shall inherit the what? You know, pop quiz. Right? Like just the other day with the kids. What did I tell you? You can't receive the kingdom of God unless you're like a little child, humble and vulnerable and powerless. Yeah. But Jesus doesn't say that. He's so kind. He gives a really short answer. He's like, yeah, with man it's impossible. You need God. <laughs> I'm not really sure if they give this much thought at the time. Because it's like Peter just remembers what God said five minutes ago to the rich guy. And Peter's like, hey, wait, we left everything to follow you. You know, it's like, okay, we're back to that. And Jesus rolls with it. He's like, yep. Anyone who gives up their home, their family, their fields, right, all the earthly stuff that they can depend on, you give that up for me in the gospel, sure, then you will receive a hundred times as much in this age, home, family, fields, and persecution. He throws that in at the end. So don't worry, Peter, you'll inherit the kingdom of God. You'll have eternal life in the age to come. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Love how he just throws that in there. Like no one was talking about that. <laughs> he throws it in there, just like the persecution. He reminds them that those who are persecuted for the gospel inherit the kingdom of God, right? They don't comment on this. We don't have their comments if they did. But it's a lot to consider. And Jesus doesn't let this go, and this is really important. In verses 32 through 34, they're on their way to Jerusalem, and Jesus prophesies to them about his persecution and his arrest, his torture, and his death, and his resurrection. And his disciples might not know what to do with this information. I wouldn't. Would you? It's a lot. But Jesus is prophesying this, and it will all come true. And when it does, his disciples will definitely be poor in spirit during that time. 
And they will come to understand persecution in their lives. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And then in verses 35 through 45, James and John ask Jesus if they can sit next to him in his glory. Once again, Jesus is very, very kind. He says, you don't know what you're asking. Right? And they've misunderstood the kingdom once again. And then the other disciples, they hear what James and John want. And, and they all get very mad. And not on Jesus' behalf either. Not like he just told us that he's going to go and die, and you guys are asking for favors? That's not why they're mad. Because the truth is, they've all misunderstood the kingdom. And it's back to hard hearts, getting what we want. It's back to broken relationships and who gets to be in the inner circle. Verse 42, Jesus calls them together and says, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. But not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Now that's some gospel. I really, I love this, because they're all mad at each other. And he brings them all together, right? Like, they have to look at each other, or, like, try not to look at each other. Try not to say things under their breath. You know, because they've left their families, right? But they are their family. And Jesus tells them, you know, the world acts like the world. And they crave power, and they lord their power over each other. But not so with you. And that's what it's like to be a disciple of Christ, to be a follower of Jesus. That's what it's like to be kingdom people. That's what it's like to hear the shocking, beautiful, offensive gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of God, and to respond to it by letting it transform us into a not-so-with-you people. And we cannot be this kind of people on our own, right? In our own power. It's impossible. We have to come before God and humble ourselves and confess our hard hearts to Him. And in His grace and mercy, He makes us His not-so-with-you people, right? And we are transformed into holy people, set apart, not to keep people away, but to share the gospel with others so that they can respond. You guys believe that? Well, let's do that. Let's pray. Father, you created a good world.
we confess that we rebelled and we're sorry. And we have hard hearts. And we are extremely selfish. And we are willing to hurt each other to get what we want. But we don't want to be like this. And we want your gospel to change us. In your mercy, Lord, change us. Holy Spirit, please help us with this. Help us accept the change. And help us keep our hearts soft. And help us love God with our heart and soul and mind and strength. Help us love each other. And help us take sin and temptation seriously. Help us take all of our relationships seriously. Thank you. We need your help. Jesus, thank you for showing us how to live. Thank you for sharing the gospel with us. And thank you for your saving sacrifice that we may be judged forgiven. And may we wake up every day and live not-so-with-you-people kind of lives. Shocking, beautiful, offensive gospel lives in your name and for your sake. Amen.